about Jesus and his love.
to friends for consolation. Well, no help from them you will find. Oh, oh, oh. in this life of sin, I found I could no longer stand. I asked my mother how you got to know. Oh! 
y'all said it with us. blessed us. And if you're like me, you can't help but say thank you, Lord, for what you've already done, for what you're doing, and for what you're going to do. So if y'all don't mind lifting your voices and join in with thank you, Lord. Woke me up. <laughs> 
so good. I just want to say. Join the Christian band. 
blessing. We are grateful to God. Uh, one of the things that I've learned in 40 something years of living in America is that when it's all said and done, what we have as a people is just our family and the church. And if you allow the devil to steal that from you, finish. I can't speak for every group, but the blacks cannot survive without the black church. And that's just the truth. So thank you for, for 
been back in the church. Thank you for making God a priority in your life. Please permit me to also mention March the 21st. We're going to have what we call Family and Friends Day right here in the house of God. Each year, we set apart a Sunday, a week, when we come together just to celebrate our loved ones, our families. So we encourage you, invite your family, invite your friends, your co-worker to come and worship with you. The date again is March 21. That's a Sunday. Amen. Also here with us today is the insurance company that our church had partnership with to make sure that every member of our church is insured. Life insurance, health insurance. Amen. It is very, very important to your pastor that no one is left behind in this church. So let me encourage you, if you have not signed up, if you have not been insured, uh, if you have not made provision for life insurance, after church today, the company will be right there next door in our family life center. Make yourself available to see them. I was really happy yesterday, some of our members who don't even live here. Some of them are in Texas. Some of them are in Seattle, Washington. And they're telling me, Pastor, we have signed up. So it is very, very important that this is not a church where people die. We have to be passing the heart and begging, can you help? So we have enough sense to plan ahead. Amen. So after church today, if you've not been covered, even my wife and I will sign up. Amen. So because we don't want to be a burden to the church. Amen. So you don't want to be a burden even to your own family, to your children. So after church today, right next door, please sign up and the company will take care of you. I believe they'll be here till four o'clock, so take your time. Even those of you who are home live streaming, uh, I know you're going to church right where you are, but feel free to swim by the church or go online and Check on the news and updates, and then you will see the health program there. You can always log in and enroll. Amen. Before we take the communion today, I just want to tell you a little story from the Word of God. 
And I believe with all my heart that God has something to teach all of us. I'm trying to use one stone to kill two birds. Uh, one bird, of course, is the communion. We have to celebrate God. We do this every fourth Sunday. All right? Another bird is that we've designated February as Black History Month. So I want to share with you what does says the Lord concerning our history from God's perspective in the Word of God. Now you see the two birds I'm trying to kill. <laughs> if you have your Bible, will you please stand with me and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. Thanks to our musician. We appreciate you all. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. We love you. We appreciate your ministry. The book is in Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. If you find it, please say amen. The, the gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus by saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Please remain standing as we pray. Father, we are grateful for another day of blessing. This is the day the Lord has made it. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our strength. Thank you that the blood is still running in our veins. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in our church today. We ask that you speak to us. We ask that you speak through me, that you will use me to be a channel of blessing. Help me to preach your word. Help your people to hear your word. Glorify yourself in this place. And Lord, we pray that you will touch every heart, that you will heal every wound, and that you will answer every prayer request. It is in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. And the church say, Amen. You may be seated. Our subject for discussion is titled, The Parable of the Good Samaritan. The Parable of the Good Samaritan. Please take note of that word, parables. What is a parable? For those of you that may not know it, a parable is simply a story 
a story to illustrate eternal truth. It's not just a story, but it's a story to show us something about heaven, about God, to teach us eternal truth. If you are a student of the Bible, you will notice that there are many parables in the word of God. Am I right about it? Now, each of those parables can be understood easily. I always tell you the Bible is not complicated. Sometimes some preachers make it too difficult. There are four headings to every parable. How many headings? The first one is what we call setting. There is a setting to every parable. And the second heading is the story itself. The third heading is what we call the sequel of the parable. And then the fourth heading of any parable is what we call the significance of that parable itself. And that's what I want to do with us this morning. We're going to start out to find out what is the setting. In other words, Jesus don't show up and just start running his mouth and just telling story. No. There's always something that triggers. There's always something that causes them to tell the story. So you got to understand the setting before you can understand the parable itself. In this particular parable, the Bible said a lawyer showed up to ask him a question. And then the Bible said that lawyer was trying to trick him. You know what lawyers do. And if you really want to appreciate what's going on, you see, Jesus was a young rabbi, very young in their community. And Jesus set up his office in Capernaum. You need to know the center of Jesus' ministry was at Capernaum. So you see all these old timers say, who is this young rookie? Now, they could not deny that the brother is deep. Even when he was 12 years old, he was baffling the minds of lawyers and priests and prophets. So now you can see why these lawyers say, I got to check him out. I want to see what you got. So the lawyer ask him the question, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? The Bible made it very clear it was a test. In fact, the Greek word for, for testing or probing or setting somebody up is called paraxo. 
So it was very clear in the word of God. This man was not trying to find out the truth. He just wanted to mess him up. I can stop there and preach because you have to be careful. People that come to ask you questions. Their intention may not be right. Their motive may be to mess you up. To cause you to say something that they will use against you. So this is the setting of what is going on. But Jesus being all wise, Jesus said to the lawyer, Sir, aren't you a lawyer? He said, yes, I am. He said, okay, you tell me what the law says. You see how Jesus outsmart him. Sometimes you have to do that. And then the lawyer said, I'll tell you what the law is. And then the lawyer quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Very familiar. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then he also quoted Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, that says, Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. So he told Jesus, that's the law. Now you answer my question, Mr. Jesus. Jesus said, hey, Barista Law, you did really good. You went to school for sure. He said, you just answer your own question. Now go do it. By the way, if you are a Bible scholar, <laughs> I always want to have pastors listening. In. I have a bunch of associate ministers here. There is a style of ministry that Jesus used a lot that you, you don't want to miss. Here, if you notice, there's a pattern. The lawyer asked Jesus a question. Jesus replied with a question. And then the lawyer answered the question. Now Jesus said, now the answer you gave is my answer. That's a pattern. And then that same pattern is repeated again. This time the lawyer said, okay, who then is my neighbor? See, that's another question. You can live. The Bible is not complicated at all. There's a rhythm to it. There's a pattern to it. There are key points. And once you, you get there, you can never go wrong. So Jesus said, before I answer your question as to who your neighbor is, let me tell you a story. Now you see, I will get to the parable. Then Jesus told him this story. He said there was a certain man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. See, he's using cities that the lawyer is familiar with. That's like sometimes I will preach to you and I will talk about Alexandria. 
and I will talk about Carfax. I will talk about Pineville. Why do I do that? Because I want to use something you're familiar with. I could have been telling you of cities in Africa, but you'll be scratching your head and say, okay, what's going on up in here? So Jesus told them this man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then you need to know that particular highway is 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that particular highway, ladies and gentlemen, is rough, is steep, is dangerous. Everybody that lives in the neighborhood knows that. There are pockets. Some of you went to Israel with me, and you can see all the tongues, all the steeps, all the eyes and lows throughout the country. To add more to that, there are pockets around the highways. In other words, there are hideouts. And in those hideouts, sometimes thieves will hide. Robbers will hide. Dangerous people will hide. It's not a very safe highway. In fact, people in Israel know this highway so well, they call it the bloody way. Why would they call a highway the bloody way? Because too many lives have been lost on that highway. This man was traveling in that same highway. And Jesus said the man was attacked. The man was beaten down. The man was stripped of everything. And the man was left half dead on the highway. These bad guys that attacked this man, they took everything he's got. And left him naked. Now he's, the man is on the highway, lying down, naked, bleeding. And if I may take some time to allegorize what I'm talking to you, because I'm not here just to tell you a Bible story. As we celebrate black history, you need to know that's the history of the black man in this country. Wounded, mistreated, beaten up, stripped of everything. Don't just read Bible. You got to look deep and say, what's going on in here? Ladies and gentlemen, this man was left there, helpless. You don't understand the Bible story. Just think of it. It's like a road rage that we see from time to time. Here you are, you're on the highway. Maybe it's Highway 49. And some bad dude come behind you and bump your, your car. Hit your bumper. And you say, what on earth is going on here? And you pull over. 
just to find out why will you hit my bumper? Why will you destroy my automobile? And then can you imagine if the man get out of his own car and come to you and sucker punch you and drop you to the ground? And then now he goes further and slash your cars and your tires. Took everything you got. Took your telephone. Took your wallet, your purse. Grab hold of every good item in your car and hop into his own automobile and drive away. So the Bible is not complicated. We just have to contemporize it so you can understand what's going on. That's how it feel like. Now you understand why John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy. That's what the enemy does. The Bible says it goes to and fro, up and down, seeking somebody to destroy. Please permit me, since I'm still in this Black History Month thing, the first problem that I see in this passage was the fact that the man was traveling alone. My people, listen to your man of God. One of the greatest enemies to our race is disunity. When you fail to work together as a people, you become an easy target. If there's one thing I learned from Africa, stick together. People ask me all the time, how you get all your children to come back home? I say, because I know the power of unity. If somebody wants to attack me, he will have to go through a lot of daras in this town. Stop separating yourselves. Stop fighting each other. A house divided against itself. It won't stand. I'm trying to help somebody today. It's dangerous to be traveling alone. If we can work together here in central Louisiana alone, I am telling you, the sky is the limit to what we can make happen for each other. And if you don't have nobody to work with, I heard one songwriter say, take the Lord with you everywhere you go. The reason why you are easily attacked is because you're going all by yourself. But I submit to you, if you want safety, if you want protection for yourself, for your home, for your business, for your ministry, don't go alone. You don't have to travel alone. That's why somebody said, he walks with me. He talks with me. 
who is working with you will become so individualized. We don't even know who our neighbor is. You know what I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen? Sometimes I get a little personal. It don't take much for people like me to get in trouble because I tell blunt truth. I'm trying to tell you, as we all look so pretty here, somebody here has been attacked. Somebody here has been wounded. Somebody here is bleeding, sitting right next to you. We can come here and, and, and shout and feel good and go home. When somebody right next to you is hurting. How you know somebody has been wounded. See, when you have something before and you don't have it no more. People know what it means to have joy before. I even see ministers of the gospel, pastors, they will come and say, help me. I'm going through the emotion, but I'm unhappy. Wounded. Shrieved. Now folks walking around, no more joy. No more happiness. No power, no song in their heart, no stability, no testimony. Just going through the emotion. That's what a thief would do. There are two people in life that I don't like. And that's just me. You don't have to be like me. I hate liars. And I can't stand a thief. I drilled that in my children. I don't care what happened. Daddy can handle the truth. Tell me what's really going down. And you don't have to steal from anybody. Everything I got is yours. You don't have to steal. A thief. It's the one that will attack. A thief is the one that will hurt and take that which does not belong to them. And sometimes the devil will use people around you to steal from you. Sometimes they use family members and nobody shouting now. Sometimes the devil will use even church people Sometimes the devil will use the government. Yes, I said it. Somebody needs to tell the truth. I know what I'm talking about. I know for sure that the devil is a thief. He stole him from me before. One me before. But the good news is that this story did not end there. How many of you know that's good news? The story did not end with being wounded, with being hurt, with the pain and the bleeding and the nakedness on the highway. The Bible said 
all of a sudden, while this man was still lying there, here comes a preacher. You know a preacher when you see one, don't you? The one that hoop and hollow. The one that shout. Can you imagine lying there on the highway, bleeding, naked, gasping for air, and you discover, hey, that's Reverend Julio coming. In your spirit, you'll be saying, this is my lucky day. Thank God for the preacher. But the Bible said the preacher got to this man and kept going. See, I can preach about that all day. Because many people that you are bound to, that you are saying, Reverend, this, they don't want a dime. I said it. Somebody needs to preach the gospel. Many are running their mouth. They are not even called by God. You would think the person to help in time of crisis will be the preacher. Now he came by and he drove on. Lord, have mercy. Oh, he grieves my soul. He grieves my soul. The Bible said the story continues. Here comes a Levi. A Levi is symbolic of church workers. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to preach this gospel today. Church workers. Deacons, deaconesses, you come to church wearing white clothes. You dressed up in three-piece suit, ready to serve communion, but your heart ain't right. Church workers, singing in the choir, president of the usher board. You lead in the department, but your heart is far from God. Reverend, how you say that, I'm glad you asked. Because the Levi showed up. He did worse than the preacher. The Bible says he looked. You know, there are folks in the church. They know you are struggling. They know you are going through. But instead of helping you, they talk about you. That ain't right. He looked, but didn't do nothing about it. Let me ask all of you a question. Since you profess to be Christian, are you willing to get your hand dirty with somebody that stinks? Or do you just want to come every Sunday dressed up, looking good, cologne all over the building? Are you just a Sunday only Christian? 
Brother Pastor, why are you so hard on us today? I'll tell you why. Now we're living in a generation where people don't care for each other no more. Hardly can you find people who are concerned about their brothers and their sisters until they themselves get in trouble. All of a sudden, they get a religion. See, that's what's wrong with Cain when Cain asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? We're living that generation today. And God said, yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. And will you believe after the preacher won't help, after the Levi won't help, after church folks won't do nothing, here comes a non-Christian, a Samaritan. He, he's not even a Jew. He don't even go to church. He is a stranger. But the Bible said he came and he helped. See, I wish I have time because the professor in me wants to spell out what this man did. I studied the passage and I saw 10 different things that he did. Oh, if I have me some time, I want to encourage you as a Christian to learn to do these 10 things. The first thing he did, he saw the problem. Will you believe people can come to church and worship with you and sing in the same choir and don't even see your need? You know why he could see the need? He had an open eyes. If you're coming to church and your eyes is closed and it's all about you, You're no good to nobody. He has an open eyes. If you open your eyes, even in this church, all you will see a lot of needs. He has an open heart. And guess what else? He has an open hand. I remember as a little boy, we used to sing the song, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. But now people are all about themselves. But I submit to you, somebody not too far from you has been attacked, has been wounded, Somebody is hurting, and somebody's been robbed, sometimes robbed by life, robbed by circumstance. The question today is can you see the need? Can you feel the pain? Do you understand what's going on? Some of you will say, Pastor, and you've talked to me many times. Pastor, you just don't understand. 
These people are on full time. They don't need no help from the church. They don't need me to help them. The government provide welfare for them. They got government subsidy. Pastor, you may not know it here in America. People have house, housing voucher. They got all what they need, Pastor. I'm sorry, Pastor. These people are lazy. I'm so glad I'm a preacher because many times when you're talking to me, I want to punch you. Yes, I said it. Somebody needs to tell the truth. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. And look who is talking. Such were some of us before God made a way. The Lord had to deliver me from that also. I never will forget. You see, I, I work over there in, in Arkansas in a big law firm in downtown. And bless God, there are hustlers in downtown area, you know. And I'm the only black lawyer there and there. Usually when people finish law school in northwest Arkansas, they move down south to Little Rock, to Pine Bluff. That's where they practice. They don't stay up north. I was the only lawyer in the whole city that is colored. And every time I would come to work, I can just see this hustler. They're waiting on me. They always want to pick on me. At some point, I got smart. So I'll go to work with my hustle eyeglasses. You know why? Because I know somebody's out there waiting to get me. And bless God, one day, sure enough, one man saw me coming. He said, hey, bro. I said, yeah, what's up? He said, you got light? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't smoke. So I kept living. Then he stopped me and said, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, sir. He said, why is it that when people ask people a simple question, they never answer? And I'm thinking, what's he talking about? He said, I didn't ask you to smoke. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you really think deeply in what's going on in the body of Christ today, really, the problem is that the church were too busy answering questions that the people on the street are not asking us. He didn't ask me whether I smoke or not. He didn't ask me to smoke. He said, do you have light? 
But in my mind, I thought it was trying to jump me. I thought it was trying to hustle me. So I began to form all these opinions. And at the end of the day, a street bomb is now telling me a preacher the right thing, how to answer a simple question. The Lord convicted me that day. My life has never been the same. If the child will simply listen carefully to what the people on the street are really asking for, we can be a better church. What are they asking for, brother pastor? They may be saying, give me some light. Or, or, or do you have light? Or do you have money? But that's not what they are really saying. What they are saying is that, can you help me to be somebody? What they are really saying is that, can you help me to get back on my feet? Somewhere along life way, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I messed up along the way. Can you help me get back on my feet? It's not about nickels and dime. That's why we say you give somebody a fish to eat. He'd be full for one day. But if you teach him how to fish, he would never starve. I'm trying to help somebody so you know the purpose of a real church. The mission of a real church. Let me warn some of you who may think you all that. Today you may be up. But tomorrow, you don't know. The person you look down upon today, you may have to look up to that person tomorrow. These people are not on the street because they are worse than you and me. I'm not here because I'm better than them. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a messed up person like me. Thank God for a good God who looked beyond my fault and saw my name. The truth be told, it's only because of his grace that you and me are not on the streets today. It's only because of the grace of God that you and me are not locked up behind the bars. It's only the grace of God that you and me are not messed up in our mind today. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I can't keep it to myself. I wasn't always holy. I wasn't always righteous. Oh, thank God for grace and mercy. God has been good to me. How about you? I said God has been good to me. How about you? Food on my table. Do I have a witness? Clothes on my back. Do I have a witness? Roof over my head. I said, can I have a witness? 
that time my sick room. Have you ever been sick? Did he heal your body? Liar in my courtroom. That's why I shout in the church house. You can keep me quiet. Call me all you want. Call me Methodist, Koji, Holy Name. It don't matter what you call it. Nobody know like I know what God has done for me. Amen, somebody. And you're not in church this morning because you're so good. This man, oh, I don't have time. This man saw the need. I got a rush. I told you 10 things he did. Number two, he had compassion. It's one thing for you to see the need, but do you care? Number three, he stopped. Amen, somebody. He stopped to do something. Many of us, we have gotten so used to seeing problems and doing nothing about it. The Bible said, number four, he took care of the wounds. Number five, he applied oil. That's a, each of these is a sermon by itself. Number six, he, he, he poured some wine on some deep wounds. Number seven, for the sake of time, he put the man, the wounded guy, on his donkey. Do you know what that means? That means the wounded man is on his donkey riding the donkey and he's walking. I'm sharing with you true essence of being a Christian. Took the man, number eight, to an inn, a hotel, a hospital. Then number nine, he pay all the bills. I done lost probably 98% of you already. And number 10, he said, I'll return. And if there's more bills. If you don't hear anything else I've said, if you will learn to do those things. Your life will be more meaningful. Your life will, most of the debates I have in my own home is when I, I say, no, I got to do something. Where they're just using you, no, 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 you don't know me. I was a homeless boy in the city of Riverside, California. Nobody's using me. Oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus said, as ever as you do it to one of these, you've done it unto me. This man, notice what he did. He didn't just see the problem. He did something about it. He didn't say, I'm too busy for this. He didn't say, I'm so sorry. He didn't say, I'll just pray for you. He did something. He wasn't going to leave that man on the street by himself, naked, bleeding, hurting. You want to know what church is all about? You want to know what you 
you, you, every one of us here should be about. I just told you. Please take note. What you do in life depends on what you see. If you don't see it, you won't do nothing about it. And what you see is actually determined by who you are. Let me hurry up. Got to take communion. What is the sequel here? I've told you about the setting. I've told you about the story. Now I'm sharing with you the sequel of this parable. And the sequel is very simple. Who is your neighbor? Let that sink in. Let that soak in. And I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about your friends. I'm not talking about your co-workers. I'm not talking about your next door neighbor. I'm talking about anybody who is in need. And you are in a position to do something about it. Who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? There's a lot of sick people out there. There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of handicap. Oh, I can go on and on. In our neighborhood alone, you see young people just roaming the street, aimlessly, purposeless. No goal, no purpose, just roaming the street, and you are asking me, who is my neighbor? There's all kinds of shooting going on in the community. Young people shooting at each other. And you are asking me, who is my neighbor? And there is a church in every corner of the city. Let me wind up. See what I've done today is to use the parable as an allegory. That man that is wounded, it's not just the blacks. It's anybody out there going through. The thief is every evildoer in our society. The priest and the Levi are church folk. We will talk good talk and drive by and do nothing. The inn or the hospital is the church. For 20 something years, I've been telling you the church is a hospital where people ought to be able to come in and get healing for their soul. The oil, the wine is, is, is symbolic of refreshing, anointing. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I've got to end by telling you that good Samaritan is Jesus Christ. Now you see why we are taking the communion. 42 generations ago, he came down to this planet Earth. Born in a manger. But one Friday morning, they accused him. By the evening, they killed him. He died on Roman cross. Am I right about it? They buried him in a borrowed tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for coming to save me. Thank you for being my good Samaritan. When everybody has looked the other way, thank you that you stopped to take care of me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for picking me up when nobody see no good in me. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for fighting my battle. I don't know about you. Oh, many battles that God has fought for me. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for healing my hurt. Thank you for healing my wounds. Thank you for clothing me in my right mind. Thank you for, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. Thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you for looking beyond my fault and saw my name. Oh, thank you. I don't just come to take the cup and eat the bread. I thank you for making a way out of no way. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. You know how this story ends? After Jesus told this man the parable, and then he asked him, he said, of all those three group of people, the priest, the Levi, the Samaritan. Which one is his neighbor? You the one asking me who is my neighbor, you answer your own question. And the lawyer said, the Samaritan who stopped by to help. Then Jesus said, and he's saying the same thing to all of us today. He said, go and do likewise. Are you listening to me this morning? Let this church be a place of help. Let every member of this church in this community, you ought to stand out. Stand out for being righteous. Stand out for being a help to somebody. Stand out for being a place where people feel welcome, where people feel accepted. All this building don't worth a dime. If this house would not obey the voice of the Lord and go out and do likewise. Stand to your feet. Come on, give the Lord God a clap of I want to invite somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ.
He is the good Samaritan. He is the one who can heal your wound, who can mend every broken heart, who can fix every situation. I'm sorry you are wounded. I'm sorry you were hurt along this life journey. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I'm not even in the church today where there is a number under the screen. Dial that number. There are ministers of the gospel waiting to pray with you, to rejoice with you, and celebrate your decision to follow Jesus Christ. What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Thank you all for being in church today. If the Lord puts it in your heart, after church, after we take the communion, on your way out, there are beautiful ushers, brilliant minds, anointed men and women of God. Return your your tithes, give your offering so that the work of the ministry can go forth. This church is reaching not just cities but nations. Nations. Who would have thought a church in Pineville, Louisiana? So we ask that you remember the Lord and honor him with your substance. With the first fruit of your increase so that your house will be filled with plenty and your pants your skin will burst out with new wines my prayer for all of you is that God will continue to increase you more and more you can never beat God giving no matter how much you try so honor God as you go out those of you who are watching online live streaming you can join us in giving. Go to our website, zionhill.com. There's an opportunity for online giving. Believe me when I tell you, God will bless you. I pray for increase. I pray for overflow. I pray that your cup will be running over. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's prepare our heart for the communion. You may be seated.
In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 30, records that fateful night of the Last Supper where it reads that, And they were eating, and Jesus took the bread and blessed it. And he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this, is my body. And likewise, he took of the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, a new covenant, amen, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And afterwards, they sung hymns of joys and praise, amen. Let us pray. Father God, it is in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we recognize the covenant with you. 
It is a covenant that is ratified by the blood shed by your son Jesus, which was on that faithful day at Calvary. Because of the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us, that his blood was shed on our behalf, we acknowledge that he bore our sins. He bore our diseases, our sorrows, our griefs and fears, our torments and our unforgiveness and our strives and our lack. It is through your son Jesus that sacrifice that we have complete redemption and deliverance from the stronghold of Satan. As new creations in Christ Jesus, we recognize that the very freedom of sin has been paid for us all and that we are forgiven, that we are redeemed. And for this, Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you all the honor and glory. In your Son's holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may now take part in the communion by taking the bread and eat. And you may now drink of the cup. Hallelujah. This concludes our praise and worship along with communion. And now for the benediction. Lord bless you and keep you. May he ever guide you this very week in each and every endeavor that you face. Know the part from this place his presence. It is in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Be blessed and have a beautiful and wonderful week.